The podcast which you are about to hear is an account of the tragedy which befell a group of five youths, in particular Sally Hardesty and her brother Franklin. It is all the more tragic in that they were young, but had they lived very, very long lives, they could not have expected, nor would they have wished to see as much of the mad and macabre as they were to see that day. For them, an idyllic summer afternoon drive became a nightmare. The events of that day were to lead to the discovery of one of the most bizarre crimes in the annals of American history. This is the Real Thrills Podcast. Hello, my name is Jay. I am one of your hosts for the Real Thrills podcast. Eric and I have met many years ago. Uh, his fiance, right? Yeah. Uh, is best friends with my wife. And uh, we came across each other. Just uh, one day at, at dinner, we were just talking movies. And I think the girls were in their own conversation. We just kept going about horror movies and deep diving into like 80s horror genre, whatever it may be. Which spawned an idea, and it spawned this podcast, and here we are. We're, we're down in your basement. We're together. We are. Pandemic and all. Well, it's, it's over, I hope. Yeah, so we, we think. This is uh, the first live podcast I've ever been a part of, so this is, uh, this is pretty interesting. And I think, um, yeah, we, we clearly bonded on our love of horror movies and I think just films in general, so this just seemed like a really obvious thing for us to talk about because we were doing it anyway, so we might as well share it with all of you. Yeah, and I have a, a, my own podcast with a brother-in-law of mine, and, and he has a podcast with some buddies from his old town in Pitt, Pittsfield. Pittsfield, Mass. Yeah, so he's got his own thing going, and, and I was like, oh, so, sooner or later our crowds will pass, and, and here we are. So today is May 30th. I mean, I'm sure it's going to drop this podcast, you know, probably on uh, Memorial Day. Or the first? I, I don't know. You tell me. When, when do you think this will actually drop? I mean, we can we can drop it pretty quick. All right. I think we've got we've got the ability to drop this thing pretty quick. Yeah. So I mean, it's just great. We're we're here, and we literally just watched Texas Chainsaw Massacre upstairs. So, oh, it's fresh. Yeah, it's fresh in our minds, and we now now we're here. So we got some great segments. Uh, but first, let's let's start with just some of uh, what is Texas Chainsaw Massacre all about. Take us through some of those notes. Uh, obviously, it is a horror movie genre. It's uh, it was filmed in Texas. <laughs> let's let's start there. And uh, 1974. So that's kind of where we're starting, right? Yeah. So uh, the film came out in '74. Was filmed, I believe, late '73 in August. Um, so very hot summer. I think that really plays into how this movie really played out because um, you know I think it was reported. Sometimes in the house, 120 degrees in temperature. So yeah, and for the people that have seen this or are about to go see this, please notice that I did. I, it just the whole movie makes you feel uncomfortable in that manner oh, of how super. hot it feels, you know, and no AC. Just ugh, you know, it, it 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 looks exactly as ominous as as the title and and what you're about to dive yourself into. If you've never seen it, you, there's going to be some spoilers here, people, so uh, be be prepared. So this is, this is an old movie, so it's actually your fault, not, not ours. So. Yeah, 
and again, there's been many, uh, many remakes and prequels and sequels that have come from this original. Um, we really wanted to go back to the advent of this movie and really dive into what sparked, I think, probably a very... A genre within a genre. Exactly, I mean, yeah. A, a twisted family taking over unsuspected people. Or like you mentioned before we even start, uh, strangers and yep. and I said a ten a house of ten thousand corpses was another. Uh, obviously, Texas Chainsaw had their own uh, catalog of movies. So for sure, genre within a genre of just crazy people taking you know torturing and taking advantage of people. Now, Jay, would you consider this to be a slasher? Could this be an early slasher? Yeah, I, I think. The most important piece is Letterface. I mean, you you have this, and 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 again, they made this person as Leatherface, like a big, like you mentioned to me, and and as as we spoke as the movie went along, he had to wear. He was a big guy anyway. I think he's six four. Gonna he's a towering person. Uh, I mean, we'll get into the actor who who portrayed Leatherface, but you know, just putting a mask on his face. Yeah, he probably set the stage for. Freddy Krueger, uh, Jason Voorhees, maybe even, dare I say, Michael Myers. Like, just, he had a mask. And then, like, at that time, I, I can't, I don't know off the top of my head right now, sorry for the research, but was there anyone before that that kind of was that person? I think that did it in this way. It's probably very unique in that regard. Yeah. So, yeah, I, 100%. Slasher, it's got to be, right? I mean... I mean, the death count wasn't high, but I mean, he set the stage. If if oh. he, you know, he's he's he he's the OG, right? Completely. So, director, obviously, yep. we've got Toby Hooper, um, a twenty-something Austin native who kind of came up making a couple other sort of indie films and had a little bit of success with a movie called Eggshells. Um, not familiar with the film. I have not seen it yet, but I think there was a lot of stir and um, there was a lot of buzz going on around around Toby Hooper. So I think when this movie was in the works, I think there was a little bit of budget put to it. Not a lot. The movie was made for what would be modern time, less than $700,000. So not a lot of movie, not a lot of money to make a movie in the grand scheme of things. So I think that's the only reason he got a little bit of play because otherwise I think if you're telling if you describe the plot of the movie, there's not a lot of folks that are going to put money into it. <laughs> yeah, no, and and, and a part of Toby Hooper, uh, you know, a, a gentleman that kind of jumped off the screen to me was uh, cinematographer Daniel Pearl. They actually went to the University of Texas Austin together, so they, you know, what Toby really wanted was to have somebody with that Texas eye to cinematography, and, and we mentioned that back and forth about oh, yeah. some of these scene setups, some of the colors that were used, and I mean, we'll get into that in a little bit later, but uh, I mean, there you go. You got the cinematographer, went to college with Toby, and they created a, <laughs> I don't know about people, what they think in Texas, I think a masterpiece in Texas. I mean, it, oh, it really it really was, even though it's not for the best reason, um, I think it really showed Texas as being a, a place that you can uh, develop a story, develop a, develop something. And I can say that I've not been to Texas before, but I feel like I've been to Texas watching this film. 
it, feel, it, feel, it feels like Texas. Maybe it's an incorrect feeling, but it feels oh, like Texas. Oh, the sweat Texas. pouring down their face during dinner. Yeah, <laughs> right. So. The sweat, the sunrise, the sunset shots. I mean, they all kind of go together, but um, it, gives you, it gives me this feeling of Texas. Oh, yeah. And so I think we were talking about, um, obviously, genre horror, um, but the synopsis. I mean, how can we really, like, pinpoint the synopsis of this movie? And I think I got it. Okay. Hopefully. So... And it kind of jumps to the opening scene, which we'll get to, but there's reports of grave robbings, right? Vandalism yeah. and grave robbings. And so a brother and sister travel with three of their friends to investigate if any of the relatives were dug up and visit their family's old farmstead. Now, with this, they stumble upon a crazed cannibalistic family. That's the plot. Yeah. <laughs> And, and it what and, and they kind of allude to it right right away as it was is more like a meat packing type district yep. of Texas like the way that they would describe how they kill the cows gets in very detail and and then it really comes to fruition as that's kind of how they they get murdered in in a lot of ways there's meat hooks there's sledgehammers to the head to knock them unconscious so that they could do whatever they want and take advantage. And just have their have have at it to 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 pick them apart and and uh, I don't know keep keep the meat for yeah, themselves they, I guess they kind of set the stage that everybody in this town is involved in meat like this is meat this yeah. is meat country whether it's raising the cattle whether it's slaughtering them whether it's cooking them they're all involved that's the the trade where they're where they are and i think that's very different from coming from the city which i think is where you know they're traveling from and we can kind of speculate i think where you know the five the group of five are traveling from probably the city austin still an unknown thing in my mind i'm really not sure we're assuming texas they all they do have a twang uh but they're all hippie-ish so they're all hipsters of some sort so they're not they're not farmers yeah, because I mean the van uh, probably didn't get the best gas mileage, so I'm not. I'm not. I'm assuming they're not driving from too far, um, <laughs> but they do complain a lot about the heat. So is it possible they came up from from up north? Where are they yeah. coming from? New York? Uh, you know, wow. who knows? Yeah, that's, that's a hell of a hell of a road trip, and and uh, you know, I I, I want to say Indiana. I don't know why that pops out. But I don't know. We'll leave it to you, listeners. Like so yeah. if you if you got any feedback, uh, you know, uh, you know, eventually you'll let us know. So why don't we get to it? I mean, what do we got? Uh, well, before we go there, what what's really unique also about this movie is, is the serial killer aspect of where the what the homage, not the homage, right. but the. the the muse of this movie was a serial killer named Ed Gein. Now, Ed tell Gein. Us, tell more about. I mean, I, I'm familiar of him being a serial killer and most of what they did, as far as cannibalism, grave robbery, torture. I mean, these are all aspects of him, right? What yep. else really plays out in this movie that really pays an homage in a really weird way or amused to that? So Ed Gein is the original Leatherface, you know, and so. I think parts parts that really kind of sing to the movie are, the, I think, the things that we'll focus on. So, um, you know, number one, you know, the 1930s, um, I think, is when his reign of terror was finally caught. But, um, you know, he grew up with an overbearing mother. Um, she, like, really buried in his head that all women were scum and harlots and um, just really gave him a negative impression of women in general. Um, so she dies... And 
he grew up also with a really abusive alcoholic father. So the mother dies and he's got this crazy meltdown from loneliness. He's just terribly lonely. I'm not sure if his father was around or dead. It, I don't I don't know if I found that when I was doing the research, but um, to kind of entertain himself and keep keep some company, he began visiting her gravesite quite a bit. He was um, going regularly and he was digging up freshly dug graves um, and he was eating the flesh. I don't know why this brought him closer to his mother, but apparently it did. Um, but he was also using the skin and the bones and he was creating furniture and clothing and masks and all these things. And that really ties into the movie because you'll see, you know, in the movie, um, there's lots of tributes to this where there's furniture, there's chimes, there's all sorts of things all made out of, out of human bones, also animal bones, but primarily human. And again, I think we go to the fact that there was grave digging and vandalism, again, an Ed Gein specific thing. Yeah, a lot, a lot of elements of that. I mean, the, the, the stories, because later on, obviously, Texas Chainsaw Massacre made a more recent film in the 2000s. Um, that's why we went back to the original. And I remember distinctly watching that version, and they used the term that Hollywood loves to throw out there very loosely, based on true events. Right. So that, to give a little bit of substance behind that, is, 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 is Ted Gein. And, that, and that's why we wanted to kind of bring it up because th- there is something there there. You know, it's not like this mythical Freddy Krueger or Jason. Yeah. Voorhees. We're not talking about supernatural. This yeah, is a this, real person. This is, this is, this is something that they took these events, Hollywoodized it, wrote it out a little bit more to make a movie, but a lot of elements are there that, yeah, this, this really happened. So, yeah. Yeah. Definitely a lot of, uh, you know, maybe it's not direct, inspiration but it's very very coincidental there was a lot of influence so definitely they they just you know and that's paper you know from the papers you know from the news yeah and so uh just to, to circle back so it, he grew up in the 30s and 1958 is when he was officially caught and part of it is that they found one of his victims hanging um by their ankles gutted like a deer in his barn and so again hanging them on, you know, a meat hook or using that type of fixture to, um, you know, break this animal down, so to speak. Now, do you know what area of the country this, this all happened? Does it, does it say, do you remember at all? It may have been Texas. Which would make a lot of sense. And, 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 and that's maybe my point. Maybe, maybe it's, you know, more, more of that story behind the meat patrick packing district of that area or whatever. So what would what, you find So out? apologies to Texas. We're going from head cheese to regular cheese. We got Wisconsin. <laughs> oh, this happened in Wisconsin. Wow. Now, what was that phrase that they were using in the movie about cheese? Head cheese? They're talking about head cheese. What was, you think that was a little homage? For it, it could be. I, and I think the original... The original name that they were going to go with for the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, well, they had a couple ideas, but Head Cheese was one of them that was thrown around. Yeah, so sorry, Texas. You, you won the lottery to have this movie done in your state I, for whatever reason, and it, it's because of the director and cinematographer, let's be honest. I think so. But it was really derived, it should have been in Wisconsin. Maybe that's where they were from. Okay. Could maybe, be. Maybe. So let's speculate there. And again, listeners, if you want to throw your feedback, we'll, we'll, we'll tell you how. Eventually, maybe not in this show, but maybe in another show of how you can communicate to us. I don't think we set all that up yet, but 
No, we we can't. So we'll, we'd love to have a sounding board and any, you know, any you know going forward, any uh, movies that you recommend, we we'd love to have. So so that people would really like to listen. We'll watch them all. Yeah, it doesn't matter to us. So, uh, but let's get started. We we had some fun segments that we just kind of created yep. out of thin air uh, to kind of keep this kind of lively. We'll probably add some as we go or take some away, whatever. But uh, this is kind of the the original here. So uh, let's have at it. So let's stop. Let's start talking about the opening scene. Okay. That's, that's our first segment. So, Great place uh, to start. Yeah. Because <laughs> there's something about horror movies in their opening scene or just how they develop the story is my favorite part about a horror movie. Because it, it starts so simple or so calming and so gentle. And you, they, you know, the director wants to pull you in to be like, start to like these people. Start to, you know, start to feel for this. And then, and then, it, and then it all, it all turns at some point but uh i i've always loved those scenes so that's kind of why I, I had that in here as an opening scene what'd you think you know so it's confusing you know i think you know having seen the movie many times i think this was the first watch that i had where i was like okay i'm getting the plot better i think it goes by kind of quickly and so part of it is like you just see these folks traveling but you're like why again but i think Watching again this time, I was like, oh, they're they're investigating the grave robbing. That's what they're really doing. But so the opening scene starts out with some, you know, fade to black moments with a, a couple random pictures. You don't really know what's going on in the pictures right away. Sure, yes. You're just seeing like, okay, here's a flash of what looks like a body part, but it's a little bit, you know, it's not a great photo. It comes up quickly, disappears mm-hmm. quickly. Having a couple like, scenes, crime scene, type yeah, crime scene photo. type photos, yeah, but no credits rolling over it. I don't think. No. I think they've already finished the. So it's like you're just seeing the scene, and you're kind of like, okay, what's going on? And now then you're hearing yeah. the radio broadcast of them discussing the grave robbings and the vandalism happening at this small Texas town. Yeah, and so you're starting to put two pieces together, and then you all of a sudden get the scene of what looks like a fairly. Um, decomposed head it's a close-up yeah and you see it uh in contrast to the you know texas sun in the background and it starts to zoom out and as they're explaining more about the grave robbing they're talking about the vandalism of this specific statue and as they're fading out you start to see that this there was sort of like two bodies like wired together atop this monument at the graveyard and you start to see that that's what this kind of scene you're, that you're seeing in general is that they're taking photos of all these. Yeah, super, super creepy. Yeah, they're, <laughs> like right away. Yeah, because they're finding partial body parts. They're finding certain things missing. This isn't just like somebody went and pulled bodies out and then they're, they're gone. Someone was going specifically like in, in creating art in their own minds, yeah. but also fucking with all these other corpses and taking bits and pieces and for whatever reason we, yeah. we don't know at this point. No. Yeah. No. But it, they speculate and I think this is probably like interesting about maybe Texas or the town itself. They're speculating very hard that this has to be from people coming out of town. This is nobody from their own backyard. Mm-hmm. This is only people that are from out of state or out of town. That's what they're speculating on of who the people coming to vandalize these graves are. Um, and so maybe that's a little bit of like, um, that Texas pride and, and, or maybe it, it kind of paints that picture that you have these outsiders, these five kids coming in and, and, and they're 
They're the ones they're who are the, at fault. <laughs> like they're the problem. That's yes. that's it. Let's yeah. let's let's I'm, get off the scent here and, I'm and, with that. and look at that. So I, I kind of went to scene even before, and we alluded to that in the intro. Uh, that opening scene where it was it was very. Now, you, are you a Star Wars guy? No, I'm sorry. No, I, so I, I I don't know either when Star Wars started, but I'm going to assume it's after this movie, after 1973. I think so. Let's go with that because it started out Star Wars ish in my mind, right? With the way that it rolled out, what we. But actually, you narrated it in the beginning. It was John Larroquette, right? You, you, John Larroquette. Yeah. Uh, Quet, what? not Quet. I don't know why my, my brain wants to say Larroquette every time. Larroquette. There yeah. we go. Yeah. So he does this narrative voice uh, over on the description of what um, Eric did in the beginning of the show. And it was the rolling out of the words very similar to star wars yeah so it was very funny that i'm like whoa did star wars rip that is that <laughs> is that a thing did this did this did toby did they create this and and and, and i'm using that as my opening scene to be like kind of i'm sitting in my chair i'm like what's going on here because obviously i didn't i wasn't around 1973 74 so uh if, if you're sitting in that movie screen and that's how the movie starts <clears throat> i'm intrigued i'm interested then it goes right to your scene it, now it's like disturbing. Then the next scene, I mean, you're going to have to help me here. Yeah. It, it gets a little brighter, right? I mean, yep. and then, then they show the kids, right? Or the, the like, where does it go right after they see that, that, uh, the, that, that, the dead bodies on top yeah, of the so monument? Yeah, so they fade out of monument and you're like, okay, well, they've got to go to a happy place here because <laughs> Please. They've, they've already started so dark. So what do they do? They do go to a happy place. By showing you a dead armadillo in the road. Yeah, that's right. It was a dead armadillo <laughs> <Nailed> <laughs> uh, on, on a Texas street. And then, and then this uh, like BW type hippie-ish van starts yeah. rolling by with a Baby bunch of kids Blue, in it. Baby yeah. Blue full of uh, five kids. And one one thing I want to mention is that, you know, um, Robert Burns, who did, who did art direction for this movie, um, you know, did a f- phenomenal job. I mean, everything in the movie is so well done. It's so well crafted. It's all handmade. And... Um, I think Toby Hooper's initial opening scene, I think from the, um, from the script was that they would, it would, it would zoom in on the eyes of a dead dog, you know, for whatever reason, that's what they wanted to do. And they wanted to be able to fade out or not fade out, but pull back and then show the van drive by. And so they had an opportunity, I guess, where they had a newly, found dead horse on the side of the road and i don't know the grand scheme of things why they decided to change direction but they found this freshly dead armadillo in very good shape and they and you know robert burns takes it back and basically looks up and reads a book of how to do taxidermy and does this like phenomenal job of doing taxidermy on this armadillo you know amateur job um and then makes this beautiful opening piece that they can use and makes a lot of sense and will work well with the movie and they wanted to crush it. They wanted to run it over. <laughs> and Robert Burns says, like, "Hell no, hell no." Yeah, <laughs> I just spent like three days on this thing. Not, well, not run over my armadillo, um, but I wanted to just uh, bring to that. So it starts out with this this flipped over dead armadillo, zooms out, van goes by. Now we are meeting the characters, and so who do we have? And so there's it. Like I said, light blue. 
VW type ish hippie van. You got uh, driving was Jerry. Jerry, boyfriend of Sally Hardesty, who we'll get into it, is is pretty much the lone survivor and the hero. Well, not really hero, because guess what? Nothing actually happened to the to the family other than one of the brothers. But we'll get into that. Uh, there was also a very spiritual horoscope reading <laughs> hippie named Pam. And love Pam. Yeah, love Pam. Well, let's <laughs> let's put that out there. Uh, she was way ahead of her time in 1974, for sure. Um, and I she might have been involved with uh, Kirk. We think Kirk. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they went to the swimming hole together later on in the movie. Um, and they were they were down to pounds. So they were. I, I, I yeah. Think you kind of you got the vibes, right? You know, they it was in the air. And then <laughs> the, oh. the guy who steals the movie, uh, Franklin. Who's Sally's brother, Franklin Hardesty. Yep. And that's that's the brother and sister that we were talking about, uh, of of trying to see if their relatives were were dug up in that in that graveyard in Texas. So that that's that's the troop right there. That, those are those are those are a mom. That's the squad. We got five. <laughs> we got the two couples, and we have Franklin as the fifth wheel, um, who happens to be on four wheels. He is a paraplegic in the movie, which I think helps with where things get and again i don't know if they were using somebody you know a a handicapped person in the movie because they wanted to show the complete lack of like empathy from these people or they wanted to add shock value to it but yeah i don't really understand why he had to be in a wheelchair uh yeah I, I you know for the sympathy you know yeah because factor because when they've done wheelchair you know wheelchair based um you know uh, characters in in horror movies later on that always had to come. It came down to something with the wheelchair, um, you know, to some degree. I think there was Friday the Thirteenth where they just kind of yeah. kicked him down the steps. So but, let's let's spend a second on yeah. Franklin here because you already kind of mentioned he's kind of the wet blanket of this crew. Oh, right? totally. He, he's he, even as a viewer, you're watching this and just being like, this guy is driving us nuts, right? You he's mentioned whiny. yeah, you mentioned that he, he the way that he his mannerisms and way he coughs or makes sounds, he does it in a repetitious way that just it, it annoyed you. You you sat there and you were just I put that that guy's annoying me. Why did he do it that many times? Like what what was yeah, that? So <laughs> so a couple um things uh when he's explaining so part part of what's happening is when they drive by the slaughter they're driving by the slaughterhouse and they, they get this terrible smell in the van. You know, Franklin says, he starts explaining how they used to just kill these cows by hitting them with a sledgehammer basically in the head. Um, and that's how they would kill them. And it would take sometimes many times to do it. And, 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 and you'll see in the movie uh, that foreshadowing of him saying that, of how they killed cows and what happens and what Leatherface actually does to these kids you know, later on. And so Franklin says, you know, they replaced that method by using this big air gun that just basically pushes, you know, this, I don't know if it's a a piece of metal or something through the brain and then out. And so he's like explaining this to Pam and he starts making the noise over and over. I think he does it four times where he says, and he's like, he's like doing the whole theme of it and he just keeps going. And you're like, all right, one time was good, man. Yeah, what you you alluded to it too, and what I liked about this character is you saw other horror movies really pick from Franklin. 
he reminded me, and Friday the 13th being one of them, all right? Part two, who had a wheelchair axed to the head, right? So there was a little, let's, let's use that element. And then also, he reminds me of Joey in part five of Friday the 13th, oh, being yeah. the annoying character that you're, you as a viewer are like, when is he going to die? Because I can't wait yeah. for that scene. I, yeah, I think of, uh, of part three with Shelly, too. Ro- Shelly, he's, you know, he's trying to be this, he, he's trying to get attention and it ends up becoming that he just becomes an outcast yeah. and then gets murdered to the side and actually gives Jason his, his, uh, what will be his final sort of costume with the hockey mask. See, so th- th- Franklin actually did pave a way, uh, for a lot of Friday the 13th stuff. I think so. Which was I, I thought was pretty cool. I was like, all right, well, I'm seeing this guy. He's annoying. He's in a wheelchair. I'm like, then I started kind of looking it up, and I was like, oh, yeah, you know, like this is this is a thing that just kept going, especially in the late 70s and 80s. So, you know, way to go, Franklin, at least on that on that fact. So, And I, and I think uh, in, in hearing some, um, you know, watch, I think I, I saw this documentary where, um, you know, the, the – the guy who plays Franklin talked about how he wanted to try to be as annoying as possible um, to Six, the other success. actors. So they, there was some real reaction, I think, to some how annoying he was. The characters definitely seemed frustrated. They, they weren't great actors. <laughs> they weren't great actors in general. So I think the fact that they seemed very annoyed all the time with Franklin probably was not as much acting as they wanted to put on. Yeah. Nah, it's he did a hell of a job, you know. And it's so funny. We we mentioned it too. I was like, man, this acting is kind of terrible. But I think that's exactly what annoyed me was was Franklin, and, you know. So yeah, I, I was one of those guys going, right, when, when's his number? Like, let's 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 dial that up. <laughs> you know, can he be first? So, but, but is Franklin? So here's the thing. Franklin starts out with a really bad day. So because before you get to really know Franklin. They pull to the side of the road. They use these wooden, um, you know, two by fours to allow him to come out of the van. Yeah. And they push him into some tumbleweeds, and they basically say, "Here's a a can," and he's going to pee in this on the side have, of the road. Have at Yeah. And you know, like I said to Jay before, you know, I don't know what my favorite nut is, but for Franklin, it's a pecan. <laughs> I know, terrible joke. <laughs> Lands every time, and uh, what can you do? So there he is, trying to pee in a can, and a big semi truck comes roaring by. What happens? I don't get it. Did he get scared? There Did was, he... I guess, there was so much wind force. That's from it was this that... truck. Oh my god! That just I, I don't understand why pushed he him fell. in this comical way where he flails his arms up. But anyway, he goes down the hill and he tumbles over and for he, like a minute he takes a hard hit. <laughs> yeah, that was. He I was like, oh hard. man, he's still going. He's still going. All right, he's done. You know, yeah. like, jeez. They really had to pull him back up that hill, and then we kind of go from there. Um, I'd rather have seen that scene when they picked him up and tried to figure out how to get him back up that hill. <laughs> like that, that would have been a lot better to yeah, watch. Yeah, everything would have hurt. <laughs> you know, he would just would have been whining the whole time, no doubt about it. All right, so the the next segment is called the drop, and this is this is for all you listeners. The drop is when shit gets real, and every horror movie's got it. So, what was the drop for you? So I could go a, di- a couple different ways on this, but I think what I what I want to do for the drop is I think I'm going to stay early. Okay. I think there's a there's a really obvious part that I think that is the drop to some degree, but I feel like if this happened and the rest of the movie didn't happen, 
shit still got real. And so I'm going to say that when they pitch, pick up the hitchhiker. Okay. So they pick up the hitchhiker who's on the side of the road and I don't know why. They're already in a crowded van that's hot, but they decide to pick up this hitchhiker. They're trying to be nice people. Yeah. And so the hitchhiker gets in, very odd looking Tweaking. fella. Tweaking. Tweaked oh, yeah. out. Yeah. He's got this strange like squ- squirrel fanny pack almost that's like made out of fur <laughs> that he's got all his little things in. But anyway, he starts talking about how his family's always been in meat. Um, you know, he's talking about the slaughterhouse. They ask him if he works down there. He said, no, I was down there. And he's taking pictures and he's doing whatever. You know, they don't really know what he's doing. But so without getting too in depth with this hitchhiker, essentially he, Franklin's got a little pocket knife in his hand and he takes the pocket knife out of Franklin's hand. And he's just kind of standing there smiling and everyone's looking at him like, oh, what are are you doing with that? And then he proceeds to just, slice his palm wide open and everybody's looking at him going what the hell are you doing and he's just smiling yeah he's just laughing and Psychotic. you can tell right away he's twisted oh yeah and everyone in the van feels very uncomfortable so then he also pulls out a straight razor that he's got and he's talking about how he's he's got a knife too and so everyone starts to get a little bit more tense i think they're like oh this guy is crazy just cut his own hand open has his own knife um and he takes a Polaroid of Franklin and... And proceeds to sell it to him. <laughs> yeah, he, he, he shows Franklin the picture and Franklin, of course, and maybe the picture was beautiful, but this is Franklin we're talking about. He goes, didn't come out that good. <laughs> it was a picture of Franklin. Didn't that's come a, out that good. That's your face. <laughs> and so the hitchhiker says, you can pay me for it, $2. And he's like, no, I'm not paying you for it. That was, get, good, that was a good... That was a good... Do that again? <laughs> what, what, which one pay, do I do? Pay me two dollars. <laughs> yeah, you can pay me two dollars. Wow, no, I, he's, it's like I'm sitting right in front of him now. It's, it's, it's like he's in it's, the room. It's creepy. And uh, so they, you know, he Franklin's not on board with this. Everyone says no. Give him the picture back, Franklin. We don't want any part of this. We're not paying you for the for this picture. And you can tell he gets very agitated. The hitchhiker. He wants. He's trying to sell his picture. So he gets a little. He starts. He makes. Maybe gets a little sad. I, I'll say he gets sad, but then he starts to get angry. Yeah. And so he unrolls this like piece of paper or maybe it's aluminum foil and he drops the picture on this aluminum foil and everyone's just kind of staring at him. And then he reaches into his little squirrel pouch <laughs> and he starts putting, which I guess is like some sort of a like gunpowder or some, some sort of flammable, flammable agent, agent <laughs> on top of this Polaroid, yeah. pulls out a match and lights it on, on fire. And, Inside the van. And everyone starts like... Like making all these, it start, starts making all these sounds, like crackling sounds and stuff. So it's almost like, you know, he's got like a, uh, you know, it's like fireworks or something yeah. on there. And everyone starts really reacting to it and they start screaming. And then he rolls up the aluminum foil and puts it back in his bag. And they're, hey, you know, they, they want him they, gone they at this point. They want him out of the van at this point. And so he kind of, he's looking around and everyone's reacting really like, okay, this person's very sick. He takes a straight razor, grabs Franklin's arm, slices Franklin's arm. And then Jerry turns around and sees this is happening and everyone's screaming. So he pulls to the side of the road. They force the hitchhiker out. Hitchhiker starts to then rub his bloody hands all over the side of the, the van yeah. and then disappears. And he's just standing there kind of flailing around on the side of the road. Yeah, being super, <coughs> super weird. So again, if nothing else happens in this movie, 
what a fucked up thing to, to witness. Sure. Like this crazy hitchhiker. It's a story they're always going to tell. Yeah, don't pick up hitchhikers. I mean, come on. It's, yeah, come it's on, a good people. lesson. Yeah. But it's, it's a very, again, it's like one of those things where they see the illness of this person. Yeah. And it, again, is very foreshadowing to everything that happens. But I feel like to some degree it's the drop. And only because it sets the tone for everything else to happen in the movie and it's just a fucked up thing that'll always be in their brains, you know? No, 100%. And obviously, when I'm thinking of drop, I'm thinking 36 minutes in, you finally get to see Leatherface, and he knocks Kirk, who like gets goes into that goes into their house. Uh, won't get too much into that backstory, so let's just he's he, he Kirk is trying to figure out uh, getting fuel. They ran out of fuel. I guess I am going down the story, but whatever. <laughs> he, he knocks on the door. Nobody answers. He goes inside the house, and he's looking around. Leatherface pops out of nowhere, smashes him on the head, just like they would do with the cow in the uh, in the slaughterhouse. He's got this mini kind of sledgehammer. Smacks him in the head, and then Kirk's just like floundering around and just like convulsing on the ground. And then he just with like one hand just dra- picks him up and drags him and slams this meat locker door to the kitchen. And then scene, end. Like, that's it. And then the cinematographer is just deadpan cam right on the door. And then you're you're just like, whoa, what just what, what just, just happened? happened? And who was that guy? And, and go into a story that you were telling me about some of the genuine reactions to Leatherface. So the the guy who played Leatherface is Gunnar Hansen, and he chose to do this method acting. Yeah, and again, it, it may have been it may have been a Toby Hooper decision, but <laughs> either way, what they wanted to do with Gunnar Hansen was make him more intimidating, even though he was a big guy. So they put heels on him. So he, I think he wore three-inch heels. So he went from, what, 6'3 or 6'4 to like 6'7. So they made him a very large, intimidating guy. Yeah. Already probably 300-plus pounds, but they they made him even even scarier by adding some height to him. But they also did not let any of the cast see him in his final costume until these scenes were shot. So there was some genuine reaction of... We don't know what he's going to look like, and oh my and they god, were freaked this out. is oh, totally. Yeah, it's scary. Yeah, and like and like we alluded to earlier in our in our show today is that this this guy is kind of the the originator of this character of 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 this slasher, and 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 you see him very briefly. There's a better death scene where you get a nice close up. Yes, we'll get into that. I'm sure because that could be under best death scene. Which is a scene, which which is our next segment. So let, let's just jump into it. What what was your favorite? De- There's not a lot that's actually on screen, right? Um, but what was your favorite death scene? It's a tough one because I think I mean we're only choosing through four or five. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's how low the death count is. But low death count, and I would say that I've got a tie, but I'm going to go with with my gut here and i'm going to say that um the moment that they got jerry so they've so at this point they've already killed kirk they've got kirk with a with a you know the mini sledge or the mallet or whatever in his hand and then they got pam um pulls pam in puts her on a meat hook and so 
when Jerry goes to look for Pam and Kirk after they went to the swimming hole and they, they're waiting for them, they can't find them. Um, you know, Jerry says, okay, you know, Sally, why don't you stay with Franklin? I'm going to go look for them. So he goes, he sees the house. He's knocking on the screen door for a while. He thinks they're in there. He's hearing noise. He's hearing voices. He goes in. He walks up to that sliding meat locker door. He sees the red wall with all the animal um, skulls and stuff hanging from it. And he walks into the room where Kirk and Pam were just murdered, but you don't see anything in there. You're like, what, what's going on? Why are the bodies gone? You start to see this knocking from a chest freezer. And then, so so Jerry's weirded out. He walks over to the chest freezer and he, he, he goes to pop it open. And all of a sudden he pops it open and he sees Pam in there, like almost fully frozen at this point. And she's just start twitching in there. You see her eyes open. And then she pops up out of this, like the Crypt Keeper. And she's flailing around and screaming. And then Leatherface busts through the door when he hears her screaming, and Jerry lets out a yeah. a screech. Yeah, <laughs> it's just so comical. And then Leatherface gets him the same way that he got Kirk. But the scream and the genuine surprise and the really creepy scene with Pam, I think, brings that murder to the top for me. Yeah, nah, and it was, it, and that was all happened within like minutes of each other. It was, it, it, it you know, you, I think it was like thirty six. No, 40 minutes in? No, 36 is when he finally got to see Leatherface. And then Pam was about two, three minutes later. And then Kurt was probably, I mean, I'm sorry. Jerry was probably Jerry. only a few minutes later after that, right? Yeah. I Do think, you have so, a minute mark or what, when that happened? Or I think, so I think he was, if I remember correctly, you first see Leatherface close up at the 47 minute point. So I think this is right after he kills Jerry. So he's... He's had a day already, right? Yeah. So he's home alone and he's had a day. He's now had to kill three, um, you know, th- three different teenagers that have that have come to his property. And he goes to sit in the front window and he's looking out the window as if he's waiting for his family to come home. Is kind of the impression I get of that. And they finally get the close up of Leatherface. You see yeah. the messed up teeth. You see the oh, yeah. the the mask up close, and you see him, you know, in this like. Good light Great. finally yeah, in finally, a close up, and you, you start finally, to see what what what's going on with this person. Yeah, so my my again, I kind of alluded to it. I was waiting for Franklin to die. How is the wheelchair guy gonna get gonna get it? And it and he got it the best way. He got it the way that you think everyone would have died with yep. the chainsaw, based on the name of the movie. So what happened really? One of the deaths, which was Kirk was knocked unconscious but then when they when he caught Pam and put her on the the meat hook yep you're sitting there like already cringing right you're oh, totally. I'm I'm cringe mode at this point I'm just like that my back hurts already I'm just watching it like oh my god and then he proceeds to take the chainsaw out and just start hacking at Kirk so there yeah. was there was another death sort of well, yeah, Kirk's either dead or, or very much brain dead. Yeah, at this and, he, point. and he's just literally—he's like breaking it down like an animal, but he's yeah, just doing he's it with a cutting chainsaw. It with a chainsaw right in front of like Pam, who's on a meat hook, yelling for her life. So that was kind of the first introduction of the chainsaw for that scene. But man, Franklin got it. Oh and, yeah, and, and he got it like for a minute. <laughs> like that yeah. chainsaw was on him for like a minute. And 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 the, and the beauty here, if you haven't seen the movie and you want to go see the movie because of this podcast, it the 
you don't see the blood and guts. Yeah, like, it's not very low budget. They they didn't have they, a lot of cutaways, so yeah. you kind of leaves your mind the imagination of what's really happening. And the chainsaw is something that will always just stick in your mind <laughs> about it, how that's attacking somebody. So it's, I'm going to say that, that 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 a lot of the scenes in this were um, the softcore porn of horror movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you 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 get the point. There's there's shadows and <laughs> there's shadows, there's motions, there's oceans, but yeah. You don't see the the real stuff. Yeah, <laughs> the the insertion of the the, of the chainsaw. The chainsaw. I'm, exactly. Yeah, I'm cleaning it up for the kids here. Um, We're trying to go for a PG rating on this podcast, yeah. right? I think I Even might have said I think swear you used fucker already. Or <laughs> um, I do have the ability to throw in a one kilohertz tone so that we can just uh, bleep out all of our swears. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, no, great great death scenes and and uh, I mean there were I think the. Um, Honorable mention is the brother. Do we know his name? Did we ever get to know the brother of Leatherface? Oh, um, well, he does have a name, um, but he's just known in the movie as Hitchhiker. So Hitchhiker. we're just going to call him so, Hitchhiker. So later in the movie, you find out that the Hitchhiker was the relative of Leatherface. It's his brother. Okay. And then towards the end of the movie, he's chasing after Sally and gets hit. Like full on <laughs> ran over, hit. By an eighteen wheeler, and it was like, and, and and it was like a fake body underneath. It was like, it was it was great. You, it was amazing. You were good. I'm sure if you were in 1974 at a movie theater, you're cheering at this point because that it was it was a glorious death scene, and that's and we're, we're talking about maybe the only resolution in the whole film too. Yes, yeah. The only Leatherface lives, man. Uh, Leatherface let's, lives. Let's be honest with everybody. The father lives. Hell, even Grandpa lives. Grandpa lives. Yeah. <laughs> so, all right. Next segment, we're gonna go. Well, that was dumb. I had quite a bit. <laughs> <laughs> I think in every horror, I think horror movie, you're you're gonna have. Well, that was dumb. What? What? Why are you going down in the basement? You know, like, or why are you going to that house? You know, in, in in this crazy Texas town. So what was what was yours? I mean, like I said, I I I know we won't have the same, so that's fine. But uh, yeah, uh, do you want me to do them all? Or you want to go one by one? All right, let me go first. Yeah, because you have many. I have one, and 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 I think I alluded to it already. It's it's pretty much the whole Pam scene. Yeah. So, Pam is is the horoscope girl, who's who's just she's she's rocking. All right, so you you hate to see her go. You do. You you really do. She uh, anyway. Uh, I digress. She approaches the house with. Kirk originally, and then they get into a, like a fight or whatever. Oh, he puts like a, a somebody's tooth into her hand, and she like freaks out, and yeah. then she just storms away. And then Kurt obviously goes in, and we all know what happened to Kirk. So Pam's like, "All right, where, where the hell did he go?" So she wanted dumb Pam goes into the house. All right, not only is she going into the house, she's looking all around. She sees this curtain over a doorway. She st- stumbles into this room. Yeah, what happened it, there? She just there she was went, like a, a a bucket on the ground. She trips over it. She went falls. in that room hard. Yeah, she falls to the ground, and there's f- chicken feathers everywhere. Bones of chickens and human teeth and teeth, and it, she's in a boneyard. She's and, in a boneyard. And this sees. <laughs> Not the boneyard you're thinking. <laughs> Not like, the softcore movie boneyard, which we will review next week. <laughs> yeah, we're, 
<laughs> We're having a lot of crossover here. So, bones everywhere. Super creepy. Sheep analyzes this room and in and, and the cinematography, the, the camera angle, just shooting back and forth on all these things. She might have looked around this room silently for like two minutes. Uh, go ahead and count it as the movie goes. Like two minutes go by. Then she finally goes, holy shit, I shouldn't be here and starts yelling at the top of her lungs. And it's too late. And it's way too late. Now at this point, Leatherface is like, "Who? what the hell is that? Comes right in, grabs, no, first of all, she gets away a little bit. Yeah. Runs down a hallway. Then you start seeing Leatherface like crazily running after her. She almost makes it to the door. She almost made it. And then he caught her, picked her up because he's a massive human being and just slams her onto a meat hook. Scene ends <laughs> like that. You're just like, what? What an idiot. Now, so. I, now I agree with you, but hear me out on this. I'm going to play devil's advocate for a second. Do you think that this is the first time Pam had entered this room um, as an actress as well and was just admiring Robert Burns' amazing set design and they just captured the whole thing in real time. Yeah, there was a couch in there. You made a moment, you made a comment as we're watching. She's like, I wonder if that is on Etsy right now because I would buy take it. that couch in a minute. That, <laughs> and you, you're it, not and getting it literally had human arms for armrests yep. and just femurs and pelvises as the where you sit. Uh, yeah, it was, it was a hell of a love seat. Yeah, um, it was quite it was quite humorous. <laughs> I want that. I want that from this movie. You, you also want the armadillo, so you you are a big. Uh, I'll take big it all. Fan. Yeah, <laughs> big fan. I mean, you're not gonna find that on IKEA. Let's just be real. You no. know, you're not gonna find like Das Bone Couch on <laughs> on IKEA. And if you did, you wouldn't be able to put it together. So yeah, I mean, wh- what kind of Allen wrench is gonna go in a bone? I don't know. <laughs> a skeleton key. Boom. Boom. There it is. <laughs> I'll be here all week, guys. But yeah, I agree. I mean, she had plenty of time to know that that was not. Well, I mean, the fact is that Kirk went in the house, and they they see all those teeth that are on the porch anyway. You know, it's like this creepy house, and it, probably not a good situation. Um, it wasn't a good idea to go in that house. Um, but I got a few, and they're not as um, integral to the movie, but I just thought I would speak my mind. Number one, and maybe I'm, I, I don't understand it that well, but when they are at the gas station. Yeah. That ran out of gas. That, when they, the gas station was out of gas. Franklin asks the proprietor of this uh, gas station. Well, great word. Slash barbecue. Great word. I could have said owner, yeah. Yeah. I was trying to, I was throwing in a 50 cent word. What can I do? (laughs) Um, And he says, hey, do you know where the old Franklin house is? And so I get kind of confused because, again, they're talking about their grandfather's house or their father's house. And I don't know why you would use your first name as the name of the house, like the Franklin house. It seems like it's a, you use a last name. So you think it was the Hardesty estate or the Hardesty farmhouse or something. So maybe it's a goof. Maybe it was intended. Maybe I don't know. But I just thought as someone without like going in and researching the entire movie, kind of a weird thing. I didn't yeah. understand it. Maybe the editor was fired. Probably. <laughs> yeah. They didn't have enough budget to go back and have him read. No, we can't re- fix that. Yeah. Sorry, we're just going to have to call it the Franklin post. estate. Sorry. Um, number two, um, in the same scene, Jerry comes out and says, 
hey guys, I got everyone barbecue. He's got a <laughs> lunch bag for a, a toddler, okay? And he's trying to feed how many people in this van? He's got five and people. Franklin counts as two. And Franklin's <laughs> definitely two. And But he's got this tiny baby little satchel worth of barbecue. And he's like, I got everyone barbecue. Um, and I don't know like if someone else was carrying bags or something, but... You know, later on you see Franklin with a sausage in his mouth like a cigar. He's like Marlon Brando or something. And um, you're like, that that would have been bigger than the bag. Yeah, <laughs> so I don't right. know where they got all this food from. So um, that was number two for me. Tiny bag. I didn't like it. Um, okay, and this one is, is kind of a two-parter. Um, number one, it was dumb because I didn't like it because it was gross, which is that... They cut Sally's finger and they put it inside Grandpa's mouth so we can suck her blood. And this Grandpa is, I mean, mind you, he's like 130 in this movie. He is sitting there. He is completely white as a ghost. He is disheveled. He's not moving. Somehow in this stem cell research or whatever they're doing here, they pop her finger in his mouth and he starts dancing like he just ate like a piece of chocolate cake on his birthday and it was delicious. He's he's literally dancing in his chair. He kind of it's kind of reminiscent of the Six Flags guy. <laughs> oh my Oh my god. A little yes. bit. <laughs> the the ball Um so please <laughs> Go back and check out both things if you need to. Um so that's obviously gross and I didn't like it. Um but then the hitchhiker, the brother, has a great idea and says, we should let Grandpa kill her. Grandpa was the best the best in the slaughterhouse. He, he was able to kill um, every cow with one hit. That was his legend. He was able to, to take out every cow with one hit. And I think they said something like he had, he had done like 20 inside five minutes or something, and he would have done it faster if the um, hook and pull crew went a little bit quicker removing the carcasses. Um, but Grandpa was the best. So they they decide to untie Sally, who they tied up at this point. Yeah, and then we're skipping over a lot in the movie. So this is we're just giving you the highlights here. Yeah, that was dumb. They 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 untie her and they are putting the the mallet or whatever it's called sledgehammer um, in Grandpa's hand, and Grandpa can't even grip it. <laughs> and they just keep putting it in his hand, and he's just like dropping it over her head. He finally gets like one like little hit on her. You can see this big bruise or like blood stain on the back of her head. He's just wailing away. But because they try to let Grandpa be the killer in this, and they untied her, Sally fights her way out, jumps out a front window, and then runs away. And she ultimately gets away because of this. So... Bad move on the Sawyer family for what they've done here because they really kind of screwed the pooch. Yeah, yeah, they let her get away, which which is you know, and you 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 alluded to this that she was kind of the first, the original, I think, the, the originator of the, the final girl, the final yeah, final girl getting away, and it was all because of the dumb brother and the and the old ass grandfather like they they can't and, and and you knew this the, the brother was an idiot like oh yeah <laughs> like he he was treated really bad from his father i mean you could tell the abuse and 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 i i, I just don't get why leatherface could have just f- murdered them all <laughs> you know to be honest with you so i don't I, I don't know why they they thought that was a good idea dumb brother dumb uh 
I have some speculation, and we'll get into it on our last our last segment. Um, so we'll we'll get to that. But I have some speculation. All right. So our next segment. Now you 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 kind of could could take this any direction you wanted. Yep. Now what would you do? Now I like this for if I'm putting myself into a horror movie. What am I doing? Where am I hiding? Where do you think the good spot is? Uh, how soon are you getting the hell out of there? Uh, I don't know if many people think this way, but I do <laughs> when it comes to a horror movie. Like, how the hell do I get myself out of this situation uh, for that moment? Obviously, when we do other movies, there's a lot more evident things to do. Uh, but in this one, rather than being completely obvious uh, and just run the hell away, <laughs> I don't know, just... Yeah. You know, the phone doesn't work at the gas station at, right. right away. Uh, no gas, and they're out of gas. And then... They're kind of in a tough situation here. Yeah. There's not a lot of outs for them. You know, I mean, number one, they could have... I, I wouldn't have picked up the hitchhiker. Not that that, like, ultimately... There you go. Ultimately you want to go all the way demise. back to the beginning, and, and, but, they and then... But they still run out of gas, right? Still run out of gas. It wouldn't have changed the, the, yeah. the sequence too much. Um, still run out of gas... Um, but obviously one, one lesson there and what I would do is not pick up the hitchhiker in general. Um, but yeah, they're, they're in a tough situation. They're putting this in this, um, you know, in this pickle, they've got, they don't have enough gas to get around. The gas isn't there. It's not coming for a little bit. And so they leave the gas station to go to see the old house. Yep. And I don't know if they planned on leaving that house to go back and get gas later on in the day, if they were going to try to spend the night there. It's not really clear because everyone disappears. But they're kind of in a tough spot. Yeah. So with all, with all that said, at what point, what would you do differently? Now, if you're, and we kind of alluded to it, if you're if you're on the other end where you're the, the killer side and you're said, Leatherface, just kill him. Kill Sally. We're, right. we're over. The movie's done. Yeah, I think if I'm on, if I'm one of the people, because you, you kind of have to go person by person, but I think in general, the last piece that I think gets Sally, we'll go with Sally, because Sally's the only survivor. So yeah. she's the only one that can go back in hindsight and say, this is what I would have done differently, right? Sure. So is maybe they don't go look in the dark with one flashlight for their friends. They stay, because, stay at the car. The thing is, in the grand scheme of things, all those people know where you are, right? You don't know where they are. So why leave and go searching for these three people who could be anywhere? Because clearly, if Kirk, you know, if Kirk and Pam leave, and Jerry goes to look for them, and then none of them come back, Jerry never found Kirk and Pam. And if they did, they would have come back right away. So the fact is, nobody knows where anyone is except for they all potentially know where. Sally and Franklin are. How much time do you think elapsed? Because they started daylight, and then as soon as Franklin and Sally move into the woods to find them, it's pitch it's black. It's pitch black. So you're talking hours. So hours. you're 100. Where it's like, at what point you two are you like, dude? They haven't come back yet. I don't like. What are we doing? Like, you know, why why go find some? Like, they would have had to come back. Where where the hell do you think they went for six hours? Yeah, none of them have flashlights or anything. So, because they went out during the day, 
So Franklin actually does a smart thing for once, which is that he's honking the horn. And Sally gets pissed off at him. He's honking the horn like, hey, if they're out there in the dark, maybe they can travel by the sound. They'll know, okay, that horn is the direction I need to go into. And she gets pissed off at him. She doesn't want him to honk the horn. He's making too much noise. She's scared or whatever it might be, but she's not allowing him to. So, so you keep honking the horn? I keep honking the horn. Is that what, what would you do differently? Just yeah. stay at the car and keep honking the horn? Honk, yell, honk, flashlight maybe, and try maybe to create something. maybe a cop's driving by and... Get someone's attention. My friends are missing. We, we're out of gas. Or maybe take the van with the small amount of gas they have in it, drive to the gas station and ask for help. Yeah. Go back to the gas station. You Maybe they don't have gas. Or maybe that by that time they do have gas, you fill up by the time you get back. Maybe everyone comes back to the house and now you can leave because you're all, you're all gassed up. You don't have to stay there. It's creepy. It's dark. You know, but they decide to go look for them instead. Yeah. So yes, I think I maybe would have said, look, they know I'm not going to bail on them. I've got the keys to the car. I'm just going to drive to the gas station and get gas or find someone that can help. Yeah, they have the keys. They have light. I think. I mean, because they've, oh, the, they've got the, the headlights the on. The car was on, so yeah, the headlights were on. Well, I guess they could have turned the headlights on just from the battery, so maybe they didn't have the keys. I don't know. That old car? It sounds <laughs> like they must have the keys. Yeah. I think they had the keys. I would imagine they had the keys. So um, mine's very similar. Again, I, I'm going to go with Sally. Because uh, we have a different segment that could get into a whole different mess. So I don't want to, to rain on that parade. So Sally uh, finally is getting chased around the woods uh, by Leatherface and the chainsaw for, I don't know, a few minutes. And yep. it's, it's a very long scene. And she finally makes her way back, which Leatherface was probably trying to do, um, get her to the gas station. And the the proprietor of the gas station was kind of there uh, and kind of saved her, right? Brought her into the, the gas station, told her, hey, calm down, sit down. Um, and then he wanted to go get the truck so they could leave. And there was a moment there where the door was wide open. I know she's freaked out, but uh, I guess in that moment, I would have been just like, I'm, I'm booking it again. Because right. I didn't hear the chainsaw, I don't hear him anymore, and I don't. There's something about that gas station attendant or the owner. I, something ain't right. So I, I would have just kept booking it at that point. As catch my breath, see the door was open. He was busy getting a truck, and I'm out. And then maybe either he's chasing me after with the truck or whatever. Um, or he's going to chase after me foot and somehow I can get back to the truck. It's, and it runs and has gas and then I'm out. <laughs> and they're right, they're right near the highway at least. Cause they yeah. obviously went there to get gas. So like, well, obviously you see the last scene there, it's a busy road. Start trying to flag a car a down. a semi truck and a truck within minutes of each other at the end. I mean, maybe try to flag a car down, but who knows? That could but be that's, in this That's thing. what I don't understand. Well, you know, now we're, you know, picking some nits here, but Jesus, uh, when uh, they're at the car, what, not one car drove by in the six hours you were there what, from sunlight to sunset? Where were they? Well, all the, the car was in the woods for whatever reason. All the all the meat packers were home by then. They had yeah, a, they had I guess, I guess. But again, that's, time. that's 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 neither here nor there. But uh, that's kind of what I do. I just yeah catch my breath and keep running, especially what happens next. So that's that's probably why I say that. All right, so th- this is this is another fun subject. This is a, a a tribute to my older brother Joey. So if you're listening, uh, this is for you. Um, the the segment's called 
They ain't never going to be right. That that is somebody witnessing something and and they're they're going to the asylum. They they ain't right. They could they could turn around and start killing people right after this. And and oh, the, yeah. and the winner obviously here is Sally Harsty. I mean she's I mean yeah she's the only <laughs> one who who survived. But you see it in literally the last thirty seconds of the movie of why you're just like Shh. oh no 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 actually you saw it at the dinner scene. Her, her psychosis, like, yeah. she just got psychotic at that point. Yeah, I mean, she's, she was being tortured. She's terrified through the whole movie when it comes to, um, the, right at, as soon as Franklin is, is getting sliced oh, and diced she, in the chair, she's, right in front of she's him. terrified. Right in front of her, yeah. You can see, very good job. At, at, she was very Terror. terrified. She, she you can see it in her eyes. But yeah, we got to talk about the dinner scene. I think the dinner scene really is where the, everything kind of comes together. You see the entire dynamic of the family mm-hmm. and you see they're all there they're all present they're all looking right at her it, it, great job again I'll allude to it later when we're done with the segments Dan, Daniel Pearl is the cinematography and you're kind of watching this dinner scene for as first person yep. camera of them the family and so you're at the head of the table and watching them being psychotic like right basically at the from, yeah from Sally's like first point person of, yeah, yeah point of view yep. so it was great and then they would, when they would switch back, the, the the camera would switch back. There would be hard close up shots of the eyeball, of the eyes. Yep. How it dilates. I'm like, this guy's a genius. Right. And we'll we'll get into that later. But the dinner scene is is just she's she's going absolute batshit. So the factors of the dinner scene that made it such a good scene is that. There was a lot of real world elements that made this scene so challenging for everybody and brought the the intensity and the um, frustration out of everybody. So this scene, I think, reportedly um, was like 26 hours of filming. Like it was more than a full day straight of filming because it was the last day. And I'm sorry, I don't have the actor's name, um, but it was the last day that the cook the old, you oh, know, the proprietor of the gas yeah. station could could be filming, so they had to get this scene done. They had to finish this. Oh, okay. And so they're they're pulling an all nighter plus to get this scene done, and so they had to film a lot of it during the day. And so they've got these tarps over the windows, so there's no breeze coming in there. It's August in Texas, like 120 degrees inside, and. The next thing is they've got all this food on the table that they're feeding everybody that's been sitting there rotting all day in this 120 degree temperature. They had everybody on the crew was running out to barf constantly. They were so sick from the smell and from the conditions of this that I think very very Stanley Kubrick esque. Right. Uh, you, you 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 built the scene. You directed the scene in a way that you wanted the people inside the scene to be psychotic, like to just go nuts. Yeah, and you and, and catch that as as a as a real thing. And Sally, that's I think again the the shots of the eyes, the the, the absolute eyes. terror, the oh. screaming. It's nonstop. There's yeah. so much screaming in the end. She's just out of her head. Please, please, you know. I think she goes into full psychotic mode. Yeah, and she's just. She knows she's going to die and she's at the point where pleading is not working because you see 
the personalities of the table. You've got the hitchhiker, and he's just laughing. Yeah. He's laughing Stupidly. hysterically. Yeah. And same thing with the cook. He's just laughing. He's got this funny oh. chuckle that he does. They're just smiling at each other. They start arguing back and forth about... Then you got Grandpa just drooling. Hey. Grandpa's drooling there. And then you've got Leatherface, who has now donned the um, a new new mask of a woman and so yes. he dressed up like a, the mom yeah he dresses up as the mom there's again you're in a you're in three generations of the sawyer family not one woman present that yeah, tells which you was something funny. So strange he was, and he was kind of nurturing he wasn't so aggressive once the other family members got there he was now very submissive and passive completely and, and he was dressed as the motherly person because like i mentioned before why didn't he just – he could kill them all because he was that powerful. Yeah. He and was more – He was very reserved. He was more of the – I think like – again, what what's foreshadowing early in the movie is that when they're asking about where the Franklin estate is, you know, the the cook, he says, well, people don't like they'll, – they'll let you know. They don't like you nosing around their properties. They'll let you know. And so he says that, and then of course, Leatherface plays more of the the protector, the mother role, and the defender of this home. And all these teenagers are coming in and coming onto his property, and he's taking taking care, care of them, like he's, they're cows, animals. Exactly. Not That's, not people, not humans. There's no hum- humanity in that whole in in Leatherface at all. And that's not, probably due to. The father, and you see it as he abuses completely. The hitchhiker, get in there, just, do this. Yeah, you know he's, he's very dominating. So uh, another scene, other than that, that is a I think one one A and one B is literally the last thirty seconds of the movie when she finally gets saved. She gets she climbs in the back of a pickup truck, and she I, I don't know where all that blood came from, but she was head to toe covered in blood. I think the head hit. So the the one that Grandpa did get on her, hit okay. her in the back of the head, you see a, a kind of a gouge. I'm assuming that that started to kind of bleed through a little yeah, bit. Yeah, but even when she's like running down the street, yeah, she's, she's really, she isn't really yeah. bloody. I, maybe it was when uh, uh, the hitchhiker got hit by the semi and blood just splattered on her, I guess. Yep. Maybe that was it. Anyway, doesn't matter. She gets saved. She's on back of the pickup and she, she's driving away and the psych her eyes pop almost out of her eye, eye sockets. She's all red head to toe and just to see the whites of her eyes. And she is just half laughing, she's crying. Laughing. Like at that point, I'm like, oh, she's fucked. Like she's like, go, go, uh, drive. Don't, uh, uh, what, what's swipe left? You don't want any <laughs> part of that. Right. Or get, you know, if you see her on a dating app, she's frankly delirious. She, and again, I think, what we talked about in, in describing the scene is that she knew the scene was finally done. This was this was the the culmination of she this. She might have been like, thank God this movie's over. Yeah, me, this terrible, terribly long shot, hot, stinky scene that just put everybody over the edge. I think this was a genuine relief, not only from the character, but from the actress as well, that this is finally done. Yeah. We're finally over it. Probably. And so it came off as very genuine in a way that you're like, okay, you're very happy. 
Oh no! Like you're sorry. you're gonna you're gonna get te- a mile down the road. And so it's, yeah. so sorry. <laughs> or you know maybe the other honorable mention is also the guy that picked her up. That guy ain't gonna be right either. Let's be honest. Maybe that's our our uh, our hidden gem there, where th- this guy that picked her up just probably a wholesome Texas boy with a pickup truck on his way to work because it's early morning. Yep, and. I just picked up this girl who is completely psychotic and a guy wielding a chainsaw. And I saw a guy underneath a semi. <laughs> so it's mm-hmm. like that guy ain't, ain't going to be right either. So, I mean, there, there's a couple candidates there. Well, I think that that brings us into our next segment. Yeah. So uh, the second to the last segment is alternate ending. I just thought this would be fun in a horror movie. You can go either way. You can just say, yeah, Sally dies. Very simple. Yep. Or or you just kill the genre and uh, Leatherface dies. Right. You know, maybe maybe he's the one that gets hit by the semi. Or there was a point where he like, yep. and you can you can go into this, he falls and starts with a chainsaw cutting his leg. And you have a little insight of, of, he, of that scene of how he cut his leg. And maybe he just keeps going and just chops his whole leg off and and then they just are able to kill him. Right. So again, we're talking low budget. So they didn't have like stunt people. So Gunnar Hansen performed his own stunts. And one of the stunts was that Leatherface in his effort running around the 18-wheeler that hits his brother to catch Sally. He falls... Or uh, no, he gets um he gets hit with a wrench by the truck driver. The truck yeah. driver throws a wrench from like three feet away, hits Leatherface in the head. Leatherface goes down, and as he falls, the chainsaw lands on his thigh, and it's still running. So, in order to complete the scene, they actually put a steel plate over the thigh of Gunnar Hansen, and they put some raw meat on top of it, and then the pants over it, so that when it would cut through the pants, it would show what looked to yeah. be like flesh. So, flesh, yeah, great idea. Yeah. Um, and so when they were filming the scene, they actually had, you know, someone off, off camera running the chainsaw to cut in through the, the pants to expose the meat on top of this steel plate. Now, the one genuine reaction that comes from that is that, um, the steel plate, I guess, heated up so much from the fact that it was obviously hot, but then this chainsaw was causing friction against it, actually burned Gunnar Hansen's leg pretty oh, bad. Geez. And so you can see... You, you, sh- you can see you, in the scene you, where he looks like he lifts he lifts the plate almost off, off of his leg skin. to like to give him some relief yeah. there. Um but yeah, that that's like one just little little yeah, tidbit. Look, but yeah. yeah, that was a fun fact. And you know, to be honest, I I'll be very quick uh with this is uh I don't want the genre to die and um you know, to be honest, Sally, I I don't think you're gonna have a great life anyway after that. So, you know, let let's uh, let, let Sally let 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 it end in in uh, no survivors. Take uh, away the that's, final girl. That's, that's that's you know, and maybe she's not the one. Maybe you know, Jamie Lee Curtis deserves the title to be the original. I'll I'll give that homage to her. But that's that's my alternate ending. But uh, I don't know. What do you think? I didn't think about this a lot. Honestly, I forgot it when we were watching the movie. So. What I'm thinking here is I'm going to go real twisted, all right? <laughs> Hear me out. It's the beauty of this. Hear me out. The The entire town is full of these Sawyer families. And instead of competing over who has the nicest lawn, 
they compete over the fact that they are killing and they're taking all these people away. Okay. And so this truck driver takes Sally away and he's really just stealing the prized pig from the Sawyer family and he's bringing him back to his house where she will go through the same thing. You just created a sequel. We just created a sequel, but it's not about the Sawyer family. This is the Johnsons or whatever who now continued. (laughs) Yeah. Who now have taken Sally and they're using her for their own, you know, pleasures. Wow. Um, and yeah, you are just- completely psychotic. <laughs> you win that award. <laughs> All right. Well, let's let's uh, kind of because there's a little bit more dialogue we want to have after the after the segments here. Our last segment is uh, uh, for, for Eric, and as 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 we you'll find out, big music guy. So I, I thought I'd have a nice uh, segment here for. Horror movie or any movie soundtrack, like how and uh, sometimes it'll just have a score um, and how that kind of played into it. You can use both soundtrack, whatever. And we were we were trying to pay attention to that because yeah. it was a new segment. When and, and and quite frankly, when you first saw it, nobody thinks about it. So we actually paid attention to it. And what do we find out? There's not really a score, and there's not really a soundtrack. No, it's just like noises. There's ch- noises. Chimes. There's ambient sounds, there's weird splashy cymbal hits, there's like little gong sounds, there's yeah. like really dark sounding bells. Low budget, you know, it all fits the profile. And I think it said like music was developed by in part Toby Hooper, so yeah. again I think he was just like, you know what, I'm going to cut some budget. and Dropping his tin can on the ground. I'm going to do my like, own. Oh, there you go. But I think what we both discovered is that the songs that do play in the background. Now, again, these are these are background songs. They're not yeah. really soundtrack Barely elements. Hear them, but we, they're not we there tried. to build tension. They're not there to add to the scene. But they're there more as an Easter egg, I think, almost. Yeah. Because, and so, like you mentioned, um, what was it? Uh, was it Glad Hand or Waco by Timberline Rose? That it's kind of talking about stalking a woman in a cafe. Yeah, I'm trying to think when that when that. When it's that, happening in the van. So when, yes, when they pick up the, when hitchhiker, the hitchhiker. So the background song, I mean, I'm just going to allude to it for a second. But yes, it's about a guy who's creeping. All right. So he's kind of like, I'm at a sidewalk cafe and checking out women as they walk by. So that, that was like a lyric. And just super creepy, super creeper, you know, just, and it was this hitchhiker. And, and, and again, the, the women that were in this film, the two of them, they were, they were very attractive young ladies and, yep. and, uh, you know, they just kind of played on that. And then that song right away, that was the only song at that point. And then as the songs go on, it kind of keeps going with that theme about stalking and creeping and. Yeah. And so the only, um, I think, um, one of the songs, uh, and again, I think we talked about it earlier, was that why why does Sally live so long? Why are they not just killing her? Why are they doing something special with her? One of the songs on the soundtrack is called Fool for a Blonde. And, and so... Ipso facto. And so to me, it's like, okay, does Sa- is Sally... Because Pam's brunette, so Sally, she's blonde. So is she reminiscent of Leatherface's mother? You know, is this is this why they're 
they're not putting her at the head of the table. Yeah. All right, maybe we're answering some questions here. So yeah. it, to me, it's like there's something about her specifically, her look, her whatever it might be, that they're not. They want to torture and they want to kill her, obviously. Yeah. But they want to have more fun with her. They want her around. They're bringing her to dinner, not just putting her on a meat hook. They're not just slicing her up. Right. Although maybe Leatherface well, would have if he caught so her. Why was she so special? And yeah, it, something and about her. Song was title really says something. Fool for a blonde. Yeah. So is it related? Is it not? Who knows? But I would say in general, rating for the soundtrack, I would give it a ten. And the reason is, like, I'm giving it the highest score because it didn't need the music to make the movie Correct. better. Yeah, I, I I guess I I didn't notice, and then when you actually paid attention, you're just like, all right, super subtle on the score. You have to pay you have to pay attention to see when the music is right, like, and that's why I wanted to listen and be like, oh yeah, these lyrics actually mean something to this scene. They, right, they chose it right, yeah, and they put it in correctly. So, Toby, good job. Right? Yeah, and the and the, there's not a lot of music that builds tension before murder scenes. Like a lot of it's quiet. And so, like, again, I think that they did such a good job without having to, like, have that, you know, key, 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 ma, 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 or, you know, the Halloween theme or whatever it might be. Those are going to win, too, man. Right. They're all all great things, but they didn't need it in this movie. It just needed ambience and it needed quiet i think the 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 silence in this movie is what really kind of made it stand out that there's not a lot happening in terms of music to make it creepier darker it just is yeah so and it kind of wraps up the segments um and i you know i had a lot of fun doing it you know paid to the paid attention to the movie a little bit more in more a creative and fun way you know we we, we want this lighthearted. we want it kind of funny you know i hope this segments really go that way but uh, one thing I did notice, and uh, I was kind of telling you, um, I'm going to end on this note here. Uh, so the cinematography, I, I, I love cinematographers. I love that the way that scenes are set up and uh, framing, camera angles, whatever. Um, so Daniel Pearl was a schoolmate of Toby at Texas, uh, any, uh, University of Texas, University of Texas Austin. Austin, right? So they went to school together. So he said, I need somebody from Texas to shoot this thing. And, you know, some of the notes that I I, I found it, and I had to kind of look this up is that uh, this there was a scene. First of all, the van was a very was a light blue color. And there was a scene when they picked up the hitchhiker. It's a beautiful scene. It's like a it's like a postmark, uh, uh, like a postcard. It's this beautiful landscape shot. Beautiful blue van and blue sky. The van is this uh, a small object in this huge landscape of a shot, showing the beautiful, uh, you know, cloudless sky. Um, picking up the hitchhiker, and you know, some of my notes. Bear with me one second. I had to look this up. Um, but in cinematography, the color blue, the meaning of that is isolation and calmness with pass, you know, being passive. So that's blue, right? So you're stop, you're starting out in this isolation and that's what it was. This solo van in this world that they don't know. And it was very calming, the blue. And then you mentioned a little bit later on. At the end, you were telling me this, that one of your favorite scenes is when she does get away. You look back, the sun is at its dawn, the sun is rising, and the sky is yellow. And so yellow is joy, 
um, naive and insanity. And I was just, you know, just using these, and, and this was for purpose. Like he, you know, this guy was intelligent. Um, and the way he shot it with the colors, how this framing was set up, there was some first person action. Like I said, at the dinner, the close up of the eye, there was first person going through forest and running. Uh, they were running as they were, you could see the camera jumping around. Uh, I think it was cinematography was great. I, and the guy, you know, he made a, a bunch of other things. Uh, he did a lot of music videos, Michael Jackson. I started <laughs> looking at his IMBD. Again, Daniel Pearl, go ahead and Google his IMBD. It's pretty insane. Guy did a lot. So, um, you know, hats off to that. I, 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 I kind of stuck to that cinematography. And then finding out that they were buddies in college, I was like, oh, yeah, I'm a sucker. Yeah, I mean, I agree. I love a lot of the shots in this movie. I think they did so much with so little and yeah, the scene at the end when he's spinning around with the chainsaw in the sunrise, it's just a beautiful shot. Yeah. And it's sort of like, it's funny because it's like they've been the terrorizers the whole time. And, you know, maybe this is like part of the frustration from Leatherface is that he knows he's going to go back in and he's going to get screamed at that this girl got away. And you don't know what's going to happen. Is the family going to get caught? You know, like... You know, the, the the cook and the father was so, you know, upset earlier because the hitchhiker was nosing around through the graves again. Yep. And he thought they were, it was going to kind of bring a lot of heat to them and he was going to get caught. And so, like, it would have, you know, rained on their parade, so to speak. So now Leatherface has probably realized that it's over. My brother's dead. They're, the, the girl's going to tell on us. They're going to know where we are. And it's going to yeah. collapse our whole world. But... The absolute joy from Sally's face and the absolute frustration and spinning that whole shot back and forth, the juxtaposition of the two, I think really brought a great um, end to the the entire scene. And the movie just goes boom, black. Yeah. And we got credits. That's it. Loved it. They didn't need anything else. They ended it so perfectly with that scene. It didn't need to show like... And it never, like, you always think, like, the resolution in a lot of those horror movies is that the bad guys are eliminated, or you get to see the the person um, was able to stand up for themselves, and they got away, like, and they dude, used their strength yeah. or something. None of that happened. She was scared as can be when they she left. They both got away. And, yeah. She got away, and Leatherface is alive. Boom. And then when was the next movie that came out for Texas Chainsaw Massacre? Much later. Many years. Like, everyone just let it go. It was a uh, post-Breakfast Club, because I remember they used the um, Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2, they used the um, the cover of the Breakfast Club to stage the characters right. from the Texas Chainsaw Massacre on the cover to look like the Breakfast Club. Um, so it's mid-80s. Yeah. Late 80s. 10 years later. And they went real weird with it. We, we, yeah. could, we could certainly get into that, and we'll probably review it, but it got real weird, and... Um, I think the best thing about this movie for being again such a low budget, but it was an early on. It was it was very very much like building the genre. It was doing a lot of different things that had never been seen before, um, and it spawned a lot of additional movies. You know, we mentioned it before. Like, what they have seven or eight different versions of of prequels and sequels yeah. and remakes, and they've done a lot with with the movie and. I can say that I've seen them all, and you know, there's 
very levels of success and execution with them, but the story is still good. Like they can still make the story work because it just works. It just works yeah. because again, there's no folklore. There's no supernatural. They don't have to keep trying to kill Leatherface off. They just, they somehow Leatherface kind of survives every time. Yeah. <laughs> and again, he gets beat up pretty good, but he's not, you know, they're not killing him. They're not putting him down. Yeah. And, and, and it was, 2006 where they did the remake uh for all you people 2006 if you want to you can watch it it's fine but um what happened to me is when i watched it jessica beale uh was sally and um i can't name one other person in the movie which is fine uh but i immediately had to go back eric balfour or something is that his name i just know him he was on 24 for a little bit Yeah, no, like I said, I, 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 I'm probably gonna have to rewatch it another, you know, at another point. But I saw it, and I immediately had to go back to 1974 because I, I didn't see that prior to watching it in 2006. So, um, and I, and I'm sure most of you listeners, if you're around our age, you probably saw that one, and you probably didn't see the 1974. And we're trying to tell you, go back, check it out. Great directing, writing. There's some truth to this story. Yep. And uh, I, I I think the cinematography was was great it was for a low budget film. Right. Um. And uh, overall, you know, it was it was it was a great it was a great first movie for us, and uh, I look forward to the to the rest that we do. And again, it doesn't always have to be horror, but I think we're going to stay in that genre mostly. We've got a lot to cover. Yeah, because there's a lot. There's so many, and, we, and hell, if we went down Friday the Thirteenth or even Nightmare on Elm Street, you got like 20 films right there. That's that's like 20 weeks of stuff. So that's why it's like we have plenty of time. So we're always gonna th- probably throw a couple in there that are just like lighthearted, funny comedies, whatever, just so that we can just have fun with this. Yeah, and I think what we'll we'll hope to do is um, announce what we're gonna do the prior week. Yeah, so you can this way wa- you can watch watch, watch, watch and then. Yeah, follow along with our segments. That's why we hope yeah. to never change them so they're always the same. So we'll just have a lot of fun with it. Yeah, we don't have that uh, quite worked out for this first episode. But, um, you know, once we get on social media or whatever we want to yeah. do to create um, content we'll for, do, yeah. for next, this. Next show for sure. This is, we're just, let's get it out there. We'll start promoting it in, in our fashion. And then uh, we'll, we'll create some kind of Gmail and emails in and Instagram or whatever. Yeah, in general though, um, I it's a movie very near and dear to my heart. I love it. So, yeah, obviously, we <laughs> my leather not, face. Obviously, pillow. we're not on, on camera here, but he's got a nice leather face plush pillow that he keeps right on on the couch that we're doing right now. He's been he's been sitting here right next to us the whole time, along with uh, Jason Voorhees and Freddy Krueger was on the. <laughs> on, you know, I, I'm sitting on him right now, so. Nice, the eyes nice. light up on all those pillows too. There's oh. a button that they light up <laughs> somewhere. Even creepier. It's like somewhere when you unzip it. So, well, I guess yep. w- let's end it here, man. Let's wrap it up. Wrap it so, up. Uh, <laughs> a lot of fun. We're, we were very lucky to do this. It's, it's a Sunday night uh, before Memorial Day, and um, we were able to watch the movie and have a podcast. I think uh, maybe going forward, we're gonna do this separately as far as uh, watching the movie. But uh, you know, we will as much as possible because you have a lot. So yeah. it's good viewing. Um, 
We'll have chicken wings and we'll watch horror movies if we need to. <laughs> yeah. No, it was it, it was funny. I was like, he's like, hey, what what food do you want us to make? And I said, chicken wings. And he's like, sure. And then as as I got over here, he's like, you know, chicken was a weird choice for Texas Chainsaw Massacre. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I agree. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I agree. But uh, no, hey, I'm going to sign off here. Eric, have a lovely week. And uh, all you listeners, have fun. Take care, everybody.